0: Right. He gave it a
1: high
2: thumb thumbs up. He said it was a good show. Who? Zayn. Yeah. Oh. he always yeah, listens he's, to the show. He's the only one who listens to it. <laughs> um. Hey, Zayn. Welcome to this podcast. This is episode 28. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuhlein in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello. Okay. And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? all right so we start off with some fact check from last episode we was it like a month ago we did an episode i think yeah yeah a month, month and a bit um yeah so uh, i mentioned talking about jared leto the jared Leto f- uh, figure action figure what do you call those guys action figure very small doll, bo- boy, dolls. Wait, bo- toy dolls? Boy, boy dolls toy dolls okay. yeah boy dolls okay uh is made by nika this is the company there that i mentioned that and uh, i couldn't remember the, the the killer girl in in um, blade runner uh, 2049 her name is love apparently she comes in a pair with Jared Leto Jared Leto and Love come together as a set (laughs) we were also uh, talking about Halloween which had just uh, I guess probably just finished its run in the theaters did a pretty good run there for Halloween around the Halloween occasion and apparently we were talking about Jamie Lee Curtis having been in at least two of the movies well it turned out she has been in five of them so she was in the original one in 1978 she was in Halloween 2 in 1981 she was in Halloween H20 20 years later which was done in 1998 she was in Halloween Halloween, uh, Halloween Resurrection in t- 2002, and of course she was in the latest Halloween, which is just a rebranding. I'm not sure what what this current story is. I'm probably not going to go see it. But Halloween 2018, and it, ironically though, I did I did end up watching these these on um, on whatever channel was uh, broadcasting them over and over again as we led up to Halloween. So yeah. I did catch AMC. Most of them. I think was showing them all. Yeah, so I, I watched a bit bits and pieces of them. But uh, and apparently that I didn't realize this, but I, I've heard it before. But it, it doesn't get mentioned often enough that the mask that jason wears is actually a captain kirk mask worn backwards worn inside out yeah did you know that yeah creepy i didn't know it, it was inside cool. out
3: i thought they had like plastered over it or something that explains why it looks weird
2: yeah no no I, and i think i'm sure they've probably done up the mask better now because i'm sure the first one was just original just a, in fact in, in the first halloween um am i not mistaken in thinking that he actually doesn't kill anybody and it's not him that kills it's the the um oh no i'm thinking of another movie that's friday the 13th friday the 13th has the oh, twist yeah. of that's what I, I ended up watching yeah. a couple of those friday the 13th as well which i'd never i've never actually seen any of them i didn't realize the first fr- friday the 13th is not freddy that jason, kills jason, jason jason sorry it's not jason that kills it's uh, yeah freddy's from the nightmare mills for me see i just you know never never really got into the dip your
1: toe into the horror waters apparently
2: yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know
1: but not at camp crystal lake that's bad news hmm? not at camp crystal
2: lake don't dip your toe in, into that yeah water. no i've heard that that's that's where that's where he hangs out all right um fr- following on with the rest of our fact check at 56 minutes we were talking about uh the fact that uh, bradley walsh who's now one of the companions in the new doctor who um was also in uh, law and order uk with jamie bamber i said starbuck but he actually played apollo not starbuck 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 of course was played by i'm having a brain fart what's her name jonathan I also am having the same brain fart. <laughs> well, needless to say, Jamie Amber did not play Starbuck; he played Apollo in ba- in the Battle Star, the redo of Battle Star um, Galactica. All right, so was it just called Battle Star? No, it's Battle Star Galactica. Okay, okay. the the, re- yeah. the reboot, the original reboot. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, at forty four minutes, I mentioned the mail program that Mister Robot uses in uh, in his email client, and uh, um, that is Proton Mail. So. Does that, does that sort of segue us at some point into talking about the new Bohemian Rhapsody movie, which have either of you guys seen it this yet?
1: I
3: have not no?
2: seen it. And Jonathan?
1: Uh, no, no, it's been on my want list, but I, I have a bad feeling it's going to pass me by at the rate that it's, uh, in in and out of theaters as movies tend to go nowadays. Right,
2: right, right. Now, so the other thing you mentioned, you saw a doctor with a scarf and then you went screaming away from the television back when you were a young lad. Yeah. Um, was it Sylvester McCoy? Like he would have been the doctor at about that time, 1987, 88. It's, sort of a... it's possible. Although I,
1: again, the one I recognize is the one who has the sort of rainbow scarf, uh, yeah, the one
2: you see all the people wearing at the uh, yeah, conventions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that that's that's Tom Baker. Okay. Yeah. I just I was trying to I was trying to save Tom Baker from you know from the Again, it used. wasn't Tom Baker that chased me away from that show. It was the, the
1: cardboard box with a the plunger they called the villain yeah. that uh yeah. that really threw me. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully they've improved since then.
2: <laughs> well it's funny because it's funny you say that because it used to be like you know, it used to have all these sort of video effects that you could do by fading in and out of things and you know, like all these really hokey uh things. And that's how what I what I always found funny. About the early Doctor Who's, is that's how they did all their special effects. You yeah, know, they, you know, they did the feed, video feedbacks to get the you know yeah. all kind of strange, loopy things and stuff, and hoping that people wouldn't recognize that these were just cheap video effects that they were doing.
1: I, I am curious. I, I would like to know what the budget on those shows was because it like people are wearing like, a lot. They look like they're wearing their street clothes. Like it, it pretty it, much. It yeah. is. It, it's just shot in like some back lot on the BBC lot somewhere. Like it, it does not have a high production value,
2: even remotely. No, no, it doesn't. No, no. I think. I think. um uh, Coronation Street had more more money to play with than they did, so yeah. Anyway, um, the last thing I mentioned, First Man. I was a little leery about First Man. Um Blowing it. First Man is, of course, a story about the Apollo Eleven mission, specifically about Neil Armstrong. Um, and based on what I'd seen in, in some of the trailers, I was a little worried about it. But it turned out to be a, a fine movie and and pretty pretty accurate from what I from what I remember and all the reading I've done over the years on First Man. And that takes us to the end of fact check. Unless you guys have something in there, no.
1: Well, I'll throw in a quick one. Katie Sackoff sure. was the name we were looking Thank for. Thank you. There you go. That way we won't have to fact check it next week for our fact check.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So uh, I mean you got some. Uh, some uh, you got a link here about cbs
3: Okay. Yes. Um, fans of, let's say, well, m- many fans of multiple things. So if you're a fan of Star Trek, uh, CBS has another show announced. Uh, a whole slew of shows, actually. I think we we talked about the uh, Picard one probably last month. Um, this one here that they announced is Star Trek Lower Decks. A It looks like they ordered, what, two seasons of this as an animated series by the writer of Rick and Morty. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the, the real hope here is given the, the name, it reminds people of that. Uh, that one episode of star trek the next generation where they showed like well what if you're not the senior staff what if you're just the lowly ensigns working in various departments and you don't know what's going on you just know that the ship is blowing up or somebody's space pregnant you know somebody's on fire you know that sort of thing so i think they'll have some right. fun with this and I, I know a lot of folks like the star trek animated series because they could do all you know we were just talking about budget for doctor who uh certainly the original series struggled with budget as well but when it's animated you know they can do all sorts of fan- things that don't cost quite as much.
1: Sorry, could I just... I, the the whole... The, the detours thing sounds... Or the... Um, sorry. Uh, what's it called? Under decks? What's it called? Lower decks. Lower decks. Lower decks. Doesn't it remind you... There was a, a cancelled Star Wars project a few years ago uh, that Seth Green was going to do. The guy who does Robot Chicken uh, was going to do Star Wars Detours. Do you guys remember that ch- series no. being announced? No. It sounds they released, familiar. They released a trailer and it was like a tongue-in-cheek look at the Star Wars universe by... Yeah. The creators of Robot Chicken was Matt, um, Matt Senreich and and seth green were going to do this series and they put out a trailer for it and they produced 40 episodes of it but then lucasfilm got acquired by disney and disney didn't like the series because it was poking fun at the star wars universe and they wanted to do the rebrands they just canned it so they they had made 40 episodes and they just put it on a shelf and it's never been seen other than the trailer wow but it it reminds me that that concept of lower decks like bringing in that sort of rick and morty like hey let's have some fun with an established piece of the zeitgeist that everybody knows about it just immediately as soon as i heard that i was like oh it's it's like somebody took that great idea for detours and and to trek instead of wars well hopefully yeah, you know with
3: disney coming up with the new uh, streaming service they'll need content and they've got content sitting there and it's not you know i can understand why they were a little bit hesitant to lose control of the brand when they were just starting up with the um, sequel trilogy so now that they're going to wrap that up pretty soon and again they'll need content on their their streaming service it seems like it might be a, a more natural fit there. Uh,
1: it's actually, it's a really good point. I, maybe that's... We should start a little campaign. We need a hashtag going.
2: <laughs> bring it back. Hashtag bring back, bring back Release detours. It. Release Roger. <laughs> Release Roger. <watch out. laughs> yep. All right. Um, speaking of spinoffs, or, yeah, spinoffs, I guess, um, apparently Michelle Yeoh has been in discussions about Emperor Joju character coming, back, coming out as a um, series on CBS All Access as well to sort of redeem Jaime's uh, subscription, I guess. Um, a couple of links here from different different sources about that. I don't know if you guys have heard of that at all. Or
3: mm-hmm. yeah, it sounds like they're going to do the uh,
2: what's it called, Section Thirty mm-hmm. One.
3: Yeah, that's yeah that's the like... clandestine um, group, uh, sort of a, a off the off the books sort of group for uh, Starfleet and the Federation.
1: Yeah, I wonder they they were talking about it as a, as a limited series though, not like an ongoing, right?
3: I think so. There, this was reported so weirdly originally, I think, the first headline I saw was that it was going to be uh, Captain Philippa Georgiou, and it was sort of, in gives you the idea, oh, maybe it's, you know, pre-discovery, and then you read these details, like, no, no, wait a minute, it's for the Emperor, which means it's her mirror, you know, spoilers for season one, uh, her mirror universe uh, version, and so that would make more sense as a limited series, too, as, uh, you know, you can only go so far with that character, and yeah, it would be nice to have a, a nice little arc there. Well, yeah, that's true, but unless you hadn't watched the show, you
2: wouldn't know that Michelle Yeoh is playing the surviving character of her iteration let's just leave it there all right so Jonathan you have uh, some sad news to share with us yeah kind of
1: it's it's been a sad week so uh as most of our listeners would know Stan the man Stan Lee passed away this week age 95 uh obviously a, a heartbreaker I mean again you can't you know you can't uh, feel too awful if somebody makes 95 and has the kind of legendary life that stan did but it's still it's it's hard to let go of a legend like that i mean this is one of the most influential creators of the 20th century i mean uh, you know without him we don't get you know creations like x-men and spider-man and obviously he worked and collaborated with a lot of artists to create those but you know he he was uh, he was seminal to the creation of all these incredible characters and uh, you know it, it hit home for me uh, you know i uh, like so many people have this week i, I had a, a passing uh, connection with stan i interviewed him uh several years ago for he did a, uh, a superhero christmas book and so uh i was supposed to interview him in person but he wasn't feeling well so i ended up talking to him from his house in l.a, in LA. and uh and he was just the, the nicest gentleman uh, indulged by fanboyedness uh talked to me for a half an hour uh was nothing but kind and gracious and every person i know and he's crossed paths with a lot of people uh that, that i uh that i know everybody said he was just the classiest guy genuinely cared genuinely happy loved the attention loved the 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 love that people had for his creations and uh yeah i mean it's it's hard to imagine i mean they've the reports this week that he's filmed a few more cameos for some of the upcoming marvel movies things like avengers 4 and, and maybe uh the new spider-man film that's coming but i, I can't imagine what's going to be like to have no more stanley cameos and no more of that great excelsior voice it's uh yeah it's 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 a real it's a real hard week mm-hmm. for sure right and, and off that we also yeah we lost another piece of uh, sort of sci-fi well maybe not as iconic but the uh, the actor who did the voice for how uh, in 2001 the Space Odyssey died this week and he was Canadian mm-hmm. uh, Douglas Rain who was the voice of Hal 9000 in 2001 the Space Odyssey died on Sunday and he was 90 um, yeah Canadian British theater actor you know most of of his career was done in that but uh, created those iconic lines you know i'm sorry dave i'm afraid i can't do that you know like that's this is again somebody who's you know work really impacted a lot of us who are big sci-fi fans and uh, another sort of sad loss this week to uh, to lose somebody like that mm-hmm. for sure
3: i think i'd lost read there. something really weird that he had never actually seen the film so he hadn't seen his performance in the uh, the final cut i don't know wow. if that's true but it, that was something i'd read around the time that they were putting articles out about his demise really huh That's weird. Yeah, that sounds like it'd be really hard to do. I mean, you'd have to not have the TV on at all, like over Labor Day weekend or any other sort of holiday where they would tend to play uh, sci-fi movies from the past that are easy to to bring up and that people enjoy.
2: Yeah, he even did some Apple commercials as Hal back in the 90s, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Interesting. So speaking of bringing us down, Jonathan, why don't you bring (laughs) us down one more time? Okay, but I promise I'm going to bring you back up
1: after this, but we got one Uh, more little downer. So uh, news this week that uh, there's going to be no Doctor Who Christmas special what? this year? No Doctor what? Who Christmas special. Uh, this is the first time in thirteen years. Like this is I was not nothing. Say... This is you know since the renewal of uh, the franchise in in the uh, first part of this uh, millennium, uh, they've always had a Christmas special. It's something you sort of set your watch by. And this year they've decided that uh, because of the timing of the show, the season did start a little later than it normally does. It usually it starts uh, you know August and ends a little sooner, and then they have a Christmas special. You know uh, six. Weeks weeks two months after the season ends uh last year's famously was the the transformation episode where we got our first glimpse of jody whittaker and uh this year they've announced no christmas special but but there's good news there's an easter special they're doing a new year's special oh. a new year's special so right. i'm curious to see what that's like i am a little bummed it was a little bit of a tradition to uh i didn't necessarily watch it on christmas but i was always like you know pvr and watch it either late that night or you know boxing day afternoon I would sit down and watch my Doctor Who Christmas special and it always had they had these great Christmas themes and stuff so I don't know maybe uh, Chibnall the new uh, showrunner didn't have a great Christmas idea
2: but he had a great New Year's story to to carry over But well they've even done they even used to do um Uh, Christmas Day simulcasts, like, you know, you you would go to the theater and watch it at the same time as it's being revealed in Britain. I guess now they're doing that, they did that with the original, the first episode this year, right? But uh, it was on in the afternoon as opposed to late at night, so. Yeah. That's weird, you know, no, 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 you know, grinning snowman and, you know...
1: Yeah, was it last year was, it, was it last year that it was Nick Frost as uh, as Santa Claus? Or yeah, that's
2: true. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Yeah, so that's, that's weird. And they actually had uh, they had uh, the guy who pays Filch. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Reprise his role. He played uh, the Doctor in the in the docu- in the docudrama. Yep. That they did. So, but they had him come back as the original Doctor and talk to Matt Smith, sort of from the shadows and or no, the two of them ran around and solve problems, right? Yeah,
1: it was with Capaldi, wasn't it? It's, that was like oh, Capaldi's Capaldi, last yes, one. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yep, yep. yeah. Yeah, and again, kept, it's it's yeah. funny you don't you know you don't even sort of second guess these things till they're gone. But you know it does you realize like wow that's the, you know that's a not a small chunk of time they've been doing that. And it's weird when traditions like that sort of disappear. You know, obviously it's getting some attention. People, you know, lots of hoovians online going, "Why want my Christmas special?" But. Yeah, you realize that you sort of have comfort in those things always being there until they're gone, like Stanley. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So, what's the Mandalorian, Jonathan? The Mandalorian is a much anticipated new series that is going to be coming to Disney Plus, which is Disney's forthcoming Netflix rival. Uh, so, they've already started uh, hiring and filming new content for this new uh, streaming service that's going to be coming next year. Uh, they've already made some announcements in the last week, and one of the announcements that they made was that we already knew the Mandalorian was coming. We knew that it was going to be done by Jean Favreau, uh, he who of uh, directed Iron Man, uh, famously, right, right. and. Um, he is going to uh, do this, I think they said eight-part series set in the time between Return of the Jedi and Episode 7. So Episode 6 and Episode 7, which is a, an uncovered piece of territory, which is kind of cool. And this week they announced that uh, Pedro Pascal is going to be the star of that. Now, Pedro Pascal, you may not know him by his name, but you would know him if you're a fan of Game of Thrones. He was uh, famously uh, the Red Viper on uh, on Game of Thrones. Uh, there oh was Oberyn Martell. Uh, he was the guy who, who, uh, spoilers, got into the fight with the Mountain, the giant. Uh, and they had the big, huge, epic fight, and he had his skull exploded, uh, rather graphically on screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so he's going to be the lead. He, I don't know if he is the the Mandalorian or if he is, uh, but he is going to be the star. And I, I must say, I was a fan of his character. I thought his portrayal of that character was great. I mean, I knew the character from the books, obviously, and then... Uh, really enjoyed his performance on the show um, and was very sad when he met such an untimely and gruesome demise Uh, so it'd be great
2: to see him back in a role like that yeah interesting and and about the mountain mountain back as a zombie right yeah he was really badly injured in that fight but uh,
1: he was kept alive and uh, now is this weird zombie monster who hopefully will get his comeuppance in our forthcoming final season which we can talk about in a minute yeah, yeah. Um, and also, in the announcements from the uh, the Disney plus uh, announcements last week, we also found out that they 're going to do another series uh, starring rogue ones Cassian Andor, uh, so mm-hmm. he was the leader of the mission that uh, that ended uh, in the retrieval of Death Star plans yeah. Uh, So Diego Luna is coming back to do a backstory story about uh, Cassian being the rebel spy. Um, Obviously, he was one of the most interesting characters from that movie. He uh, had this sort of really interesting backstory where clearly he had to do some very dark things in the name of the rebellion, which was a really interesting twist. We hadn't really seen that sort of, you know, the, the bloody side of the rebellion where people are, you know, like at one point he just puts a gun in somebody's chest and pulls the trigger to keep him quiet. You know, we never really saw that side of the rebellion. We always saw them as this very noble, well, we're doing this for the greater good kind of, you know, thing. We never saw that making hard decisions and and doing the the black ops, wet work stuff. Um, So this could be really cool. Um, So they're bringing that um, probably later, maybe 2020, 2021 on, uh, on that same Disney Plus server. So there's two. Sounds good. Two Star Wars series. And then we also got news that they're going to do. Uh, we knew that they were going to dip into the Marvel stuff because that was a no-brainer. But apparently they're dipping in hard. They're going to uh, bring up Loki and give him his own series. Is this going to be Tom? Hind- Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, Hiddleston, they're going yeah. to do uh, Tom Hiddleston again. They're, they're they're talking about it as a uh, short-run series, so it's not going to be you you know years and years and years of it. But uh, they say that it's going to have you know high production value. It's going to be not like a TV show. It's going to be like you know. A series of small movies um, to look at, you know, this character. And there's rumors that they're also looking at uh, doing a um, Winter Soldier and Falcon series as well. So this service is sounding pretty good i don't know about you guys but i i think this is one of those take my money kind of moments two two new star wars series both sound really good two new marvel series both sound pretty good there's also rumors that they might do a scarlet witch series um with elizabeth olsen like this this is good and they haven't even gotten into the you know the disney pixar uh stuff as well plus they're gonna have their whole back catalog this is just the fresh content stuff
3: what do you you guys think i think it's pretty Um, pretty enticing i think you're quite right i mean (laughs) we're (laughs) gonna We're going to talk about the uh, CBS All Access Short tricks, which is getting my $5.99 a month teased out for the next couple of months until uh, Discovery Season 2 starts. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely have to take a look at this Disney Plus and see what's on there. Just because I've sort of signed up for other stuff, I, I might wait to see you know early initial reviews of a lot of these shows, but it seems like there'll be enough there for me to take the plunge and, and add another subscription to my list.
1: I mean, you're in the States, so uh, the one thing that hasn't arrived here in Kennedy yet, is the new DC Universe app. So DC Universe launched in the States, and they have started with original content as well. So they've got a new Teen Titans series that uh, is getting a little bit of buzz online. People are talking about it's filmed here in Toronto. Uh, there's a bunch of new series that are coming there, Swamp Thing, uh, Doom Patrol, a bunch of you know products. Plus, apparently, you get uh, you know comics and access to exclusive stuff. And uh, it sounds really cool, but we can't have it. Have you uh, had a look at that yet?
3: I haven't. And I I definitely want to see at least a couple shows, get some buzz and hopefully finish their season so I can, you know, jump in with either a free trial or if I really have to put down a month, I can sort of binge through stuff and then decide, oh, okay, yeah, I want to continue on. As you mentioned, they have that extra layer of the uh, comics access and exclusives that that might be really enticing too. Yeah, it's funny. They're, They're not talking about it as like a streaming service
1: like Netflix. They're talking about it as like a fan app. They're saying like, we're creating content for people who live, eat, DC comics so the TV shows are an enticement they've got a whole back catalog apparently the old Batman series are on there the animated stuff's on there movies are on there um, and as you say like apparently there's you know thousands of back issues of comics you can actually' really good e-readers apparently built in but yeah it's not quite quite Disney plus or, or Netflix it's really a little more niche but if you're a fan of that stuff it sounds pretty cool
2: yeah. Yeah. speaking of not being able to see things though Jonathan uh, last time we were talking on the show you were saying that you couldn't find the flash anywhere but now it's on netflix right yeah so if you'd like i get i have a, a little speech prepared on that one Oh, well,
3: okay go, go for it
2: <laughs> so
1: yes good Lawrence news is a little speech it's a little speech good news fellow flash fans yes you can watch flash here in canada so now all four shows are available on uh three different services here in canada it's a little disjointed fair enough okay so on sundays you can watch supergirl on showcase it's on at the same time you'd watch it on uh the CW in the, in the United States. Great. Uh we've got Arrow on Mondays, and that's on Space here in Canada. Okay, good. Again, check mark. We've got Legends of Tomorrow that's on uh also on Mondays. I don't know when that's airing on the CW, but fine, we can watch that. The Flash has moved off network television, so it's not on contemporary television now. It's only available through streaming, and it's only available through Netflix Canada. Okay. I'm fine with this. As a matter of fact, it's nice. They take the commercials out, I can just watch. It. However, it airs Tuesdays on the CW. It does not come to Canada until Thursdays. So we're getting it 2 days later. Okay, that's ridiculous because, you know, the internet But also, we are about three weeks away from their annual crossover series. Every year, some combination of those shows do a crossover. It started out with just Arrow and Flash. Then it was Arrow, Flash, Supergirl. Last year, it was all four series. This year, they're going to do a crossover. Starts on Sunday with Supergirl. Carries over to Monday to Arrow. Carries over to Tuesday to Flash. Unless you live in Canada, enjoy your two-day break. By the way, the internet's going to ruin it for you.
3: (laughs) So... (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's pretty rough <laughs> I am a little ticked like that is that is some really crap treatment of Canadian fans now I agree I I grant you there's only like 35 million of us of those all right so what like 16 18 million are Canadian uh flash fans is that optimistic a little optimistic no maybe 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 uh but either way that's not a good that's not a good way to treat your Canadian fans dear Netflix dear CW that's not a good way to treat your Canadian fans making us way too different while well, we know the blogosphere will destroy everything that happens, and if you think people are going to wait, you're fooling yourself. Just
2: saying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Can we have a sidebar on Supergirl for a minute? Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. So I, I've had I've had a couple of months to think about this because you know we've talked about my roots in, in comic lore and all that kind of stuff. So when I was younger, I used to watch. I used to love watching Batman when I was a little kid, and I watched most of the Batman series. And then then I found Superman, and it was the is it Steve Reeves Superman? You know the the old The one from the 60s or 50s? Oh yeah, what was his name? Yes, I, I know yeah. the fellow you're talking about. Anyway, with Lois, he, he, he committed suicide apparently at some point in his future. But well, that's anyway. that's debatable. But yeah, yeah. So anyway, he but he had he you know it was it was, the, it was started out as a black and white series, and then it then it went to color, and uh, it was fun and stuff like that. And, and I remember I was thinking about too when I what comic books I would have bought. So I I bought Superman comic books. I was more into Superboy and Supergirl, right? And Superboy had the dog and all that kind of stuff with uh, Krypton. I think his name was no. What was his name? Krypton crypto. Yeah, so uh so I used to I was totally into the sort of DC universe. That was my sort of thing. And occasionally I'd, I'd watch Spider-Man or buy Spider-Man books, but it was mostly okay, it was Casper the Friendly Ghost and Superman and and maybe the occasional Archie comic if my sister left it out, you know, for me to watch to read. Anyway, so so that was my jam, right? And I've mean, I I really enjoyed starting watching um Supergirl on on this the show I watched the first couple of series seasons and then I had a little trouble with catching up on the third season what are we in the fourth season fifth yeah. season now just started yep. yeah so i started watching the fourth season again and then i realized I remember i, I it kind of dawned on me what it is i don't like about this show it's all about racism oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> <Fourth> <laughs> this racism. Season, more than
1: anything it's yeah. Yeah, oh yeah oh it's it's not subtle at all the whole refugees uh yeah
2: it's like you know yeah, okay they're, that's... Kind of, they're kind of
1: beating us over the head this season
2: yeah i mean and in in the same way that i, I really enjoyed the enterprise series when it came out star trek enterprise but i you know one once the they went to war with the Zindi, I kind of like okay, enough. Let's, I, I get it, you know. It's America was going through Gulf War at the time, and and you know everybody's like you know into conflict and war and stuff like that. But but if you if you look at the original intention of Star Star Trek, you know the, the original series, they weren't so much about war. They were about solving problems, and you know they were had all these metaphors. I mean, they had their racism metaphors and that kind of stuff as well, and they had their You know, male, female, kind of uh, issues and stuff like that, and race, race issues of race. They kind of like glossed over that, and we're now in the future. We're now, you know, beyond war. We are beyond money and that kind of stuff. So it really bothers me that super, super, like they've got this bar. It's like. So is it a metaphor for being gay or is it a metaphor for being from Mexico and from, you know, uh, like being an Aboriginal and, you know, coming from Europe? Like, what are they doing? Like, please explain it to me because I'm not enjoying the show at all. (laughs) well okay to be fair it's been both uh there was a very strong um there was a very
1: strong metaphor for uh gay transgender uh, stuff going on the last couple seasons when one of the characters lead characters came out um so there was oh a yeah that of, one yeah yeah. i
2: wasn't uh, talking about her this is yeah no but then, there was also an undercurrent of you
1: know aliens as, as um you know ex- excluded in these different ways this year the metaphor has been taking very very much to reflect u.s political atmosphere they're uh um, right, yeah. again they're not doing it um, very subtly. It's pretty ham-fisted, I think. Um, yeah, I, I mean, again, I still I like the characters, but the plot is not, I think, as strong as last season. I think shows like... Supergirl and Flash and Arrow and, 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 and genre shows across the board are as good as their villains are. Um, last year, they gave her a really good foil in Rain, who was somebody who was physically her equal, and there was some mystery element of who it was. Uh, so last year, even though there was some up and down um, development in the writing, it sort of helped was helped propelled by that. This season, they have done this sort of uh, storyline where it's a little more, you know, uh, supergirl doesn't really have a um physical equal in that way and so it, it has struggled and then they've also tied this very overt um immigration uh refugee yeah. plot line in using the aliens who are living amongst the humans in uh metropolis as uh as the allegory uh and yeah and i i, I can't defend it i mean it is it's, it's not done terribly <laughs> well i mean i still ride for the show. I like all the characters so much. I think Melissa Benoist is fantastic. Maybe one of the best um, portrayals of a superhero we've we've seen. She's just so incredibly likable. Um, but the show is, I think, really trying to find its footing. Now, the other thing to bear in mind is uh, taking us back to last season, you'll recall there was a scandal on the show. The showrunner of the show was uh, dismissed in a cloud of right. scandal. Yep, yep. Um, that was uh, apparently good, according to to some of the stuff that I've read uh, has apparently, you know, cleared up the sort of atmosphere that was a little toxic on the set, but that can't help but change the, you know, the the show. They obviously are going in some new directions. They're looking for some new voices. Um, And, you know, I think like a lot of art, they want to capture uh, a sense of the moment. And, you know, obviously the writers have something to say, but I can't say they're saying it with particular clarity or grace at this point. Um, But I'm still going to be there every week and I'm going to Tune in, and I'm going to hope that it's going to turn the corner. I was really uh, impressed with the decision that they made to cast um, Nicole Maines this year, um, who is playing Nyanal. Uh, if you're watching the show, she is a new reporter at Katco. Um, she is also a transgender person. Um, she was born Wyatt Maines, um, and so this is a very positive development for that kind of casting and for having that kind of representation on television. So that's something. Uh, not to mention the fact that. She's just a really good actress, so that's mm-hmm. good. Um, but I don't know that there's enough. They're there to scream from the rooftops right now uh, that you love the show. <laughs> to be <laughs> frank, um, I don't know if you guys are watching any of the other CW stuff, but I'm not having my socks knocked off my feet in any of them. I still, Flash is still my fave, and I think they're doing the best job this year, but I think it's one of those comfort zone things. They just get their characters so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Arrow has kind of struggled, and it's, it's the exact same problem there their villain this year is the same villain they had last year and he's boring. Uh, so I, I don't know. It, again, I can't defend it. I, I don't know. Jaime, are you watching Supergirl this year?
3: Yeah. And I, I, I can understand where you guys are coming from. I'm not going to proclaim it to be like my favorite season. Um, I will give them pointed credit for, uh, even though they've been rather ham fisted, I think the way they gave the motivation for the, uh, the main villain, Age of Liberty, it, like, you watch that episode and you're like, yeah, if all these coincidental things happened to me and my family, I'd probably turn like that too. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you'd have no choice. Like, it's an insane amount of coincidences. But if if those happened, yeah, it would cause me to become a supervillain, too. Um, But if all those bad things happened to you in that order, wouldn't you just, like,
1: burn your house down with yourself inside? Like, clearly, that's where that guy's house life was going. Like, everything bad that could have possibly happened, incidentally, happened to him in one episode. It was comedically organized.
3: Yeah, yeah. it recaps about four or three seasons, I guess, by that point, worth of uh, bad things happening related to aliens and and supervillains supergirl um but with that i mean mean, maybe i look at it slightly different since i'm uh i'm south of the border here so i am uh i'm in the uh, however your politics lean one way or the other it's it's definitely a a dumpster fire here in america that's keeping (laughs) keeping canada nice and toasty um (laughs) we're hoping
1: to not be downwind thanks
3: (laughs) and so maybe it's just more of like um some level of catharsis to see like yeah that's that's kind of the stuff we're going through here and um some of the stuff isn't quite as straightforward and, and Supergirl doesn't have a villain that she can just punch, right? She can't just punch an ideology. And so how do you deal with that? And mm-hmm. so I'm hoping they're kind of going for, like, it's been a little bit of a slow burn, and I hope they pick it up in the second half of the season. And certainly so, yeah, they I haven't just, even brought into play the uh, the weird, like, Russian twin Supergirl. Yeah. Well, that's where the, you're going to get the punching is going to come with that. <laughs>
2: so one last thing before we leave Supergirl behind. On the, on the commercials, they've been showing her wearing a helmet of some type, yeah. like a space suit? Uh, well, the uh, the villains this
1: season released some kryptonite into the atmosphere, and it had permeated. So she was going to be very sick. Uh, started becoming very sick, and so they put right. a outfit around her that protected her from the kryptonite, but it uh, uh, covered her entire body. Um, it was short lived, but do um,
2: okay. so I miss that? Right.
1: Yes, right.
3: yeah, yeah. Surprisingly short lived. Like this is one of those <laughs> like side sort of things in Supergirl. Where I'm like, all right, you know, this will be. It, it'll follow like the tone of like Buffy the Vampire Star. This is the big bad for season oh no wait no they wrapped it up in three three weeks okay well what else is going to happen and so it's like they're shoving in you know 60 years worth of of uh comics history into these seasons like they're, they're just shoving in stories like there's no tomorrow like i i fully yeah. thought the um uh kryptonite suit thing was gonna be at least three or four episodes for them to deal with and that it was wrapped up rather tidily in an episode and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was I'm the only one who immediately when you saw those scenes think
1: Iron Man? Like it was <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they were doing the scenes where they were clearly inside the helmet with uh with Kara instead of but it would immediately it just looked like the exact same camera thing that they used to shoot Robert Downey Jr. when he does Iron Man. And I could not stop thinking about that. And I was like, wow, if they continue doing this, these comparisons are going to get ugly. And yeah, that it was over in like an episode.
3: Yeah, they had their fun. They did some uh, point of view shots. Uh, doing some action scenes and, and everything. So uh, it was rather short lived, but um, yeah, Tim, it, it's kind of weird that they didn't go with it longer because they really heavily advertised that rather actually kind of interesting and sleek design they had for that suit. Mm-hmm. Like it would make a really good action figure that you could put up on your desk.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But then you can't see her long blown flowing hair. So,
3: well, that's why, you know, if they make like, was it like Figma style one that has like the replaceable heads and replaceable joints and stuff. So you can have different sort of <laughs> backgrounds and stuff.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah all it is it was little girls running around with decapitated dolls. <laughs> um, all right, let's go back to the, uh, the, uh, next one, which is, uh, the game of Thrones, Jonathan. game
1: of Thrones. We've got news this week. Game of Thrones final season is coming in April. They haven't given us a release date yet, but, uh, we now know for sure there was a little speculation that they might wait, uh, a little bit longer. They might go into the summertime. So it's good news. Uh, April's traditionally when game of Thrones pops back up on our radar last year. Uh, yeah, last year, 2017 when we had our last season, uh, uh, they had moved things into the summer. Uh, and while that was great, uh, I think the prospect of waiting two full years for another season was a little much. So getting it uh, a few months early is welcome news. Uh, of course, we're only going to get six episodes, although they are saying uh, six. six episodes. But they're saying that each one will be akin to a film as right. far as the uh, production value, as far as you know, the extra episode length uh, detail. They say that it is they've spent a uh, rather exorbitant amounts amount of money on per episode to really go out with a bang so i'm i'm in when is it april yet is it april yet
2: is it april yet is it april yet <laughs> yeah then, they, then they're gonna come out with the extended box you know blu-ray extra stuff copy yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then you'll All buy right. it
1: and then there'll be a new version and you'll buy that and there'll be a new version and you'll buy that
2: right 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 well there's gonna and be a they'll... new series too
1: right they've already announced I was they gonna say, they're
2: gonna a spin-off and
1: yeah okay. they've already started casting for the uh, the prequel they're gonna do prequel they said they're gonna do a prequel. It's going to be set uh, during the long night. The when the the winter came in the past. They ref- reference that uh, in the books and, and in the show. That long ago, when you know things went all bad, and the uh, the heroes of the realm had to defend it in the past there this is legendary you know long winter that they had and uh and you know the heroes who survived were the bravest of all so they're going to tell that story in a prequel series uh which i would not be surprised if we start seeing the trailers for that just in time for people to not cancel their hbo subscriptions next year when game of thrones ends right right
3: cool all right so jaime tell us hit us with this star trek lore you've got here Pretty quick one. Uh, If you are a Star Trek fan, and you probably are for listening to this show, you might enjoy this um, Lenovo desktop PC that is in the shape of the Enterprise. That would be NCC 1701A for Alpha. Looks pretty slick.
1: Yeah, that's quite cool. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's definitely going to be in the show notes for those of you uh, (laughs) transporting it home. Um, It's not 100% accurate. I mean, they have to put the hard drive somewhere and they they put it (laughs) between the nacelles. But, you know, you see it from certain angles and you say, wow, that looks actually really nice. And I think it has some sort of activity when. Um, when the hard drive, you've got mail <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> with a turbo button to, to really get you to work speed on, on processing, <laughs> <laughs> processing your word documents. <laughs> Not cheap, not cheap, not cheap. Uh, 2180 $2, dollars US, and uh, I guess it starts there. So uh, I guess if you deck it out with uh, the full max, it will be a higher price that is not listed here.
2: Yeah. Wow. All right. Now we know what Jaime wants for Christmas. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. So here we go. Uh, we hit the main event yet? The main event. Main is event. Short tracks. Yeah. Short track calypso. So Jonathan and I were talking about it briefly yesterday on on the phone, and and I right away I found. A very confusing episode. I don't know where it fits into the to the timeline. I'm not sure if this really happened. What was going on? What do you think? I mean, which timeline of-
3: are you talking about? Because uh, it takes place a thousand years after some point at which the Discovery um, is on a on an unknown mission, and its crew mm-hmm. is no longer on the ship, and the the Discovery is just sitting there waiting for them to return. Right. So so it, so it's basically the plot of Red Dwarf.
2: Yeah. Well, like that's far
3: farther in the future. But yes, you're you're pretty close. No cat. <laughs>
2: That's sure, No cat. You, do you get the reference Red Dwarf? I mean? I've
3: never seen Red Dwarf, so no, I oh, okay. don't get the. <laughs> the reference. All right, all right.
2: So okay, so you you've, you've already sort of semi-explained part of my problem with the show, but yeah, I, I kind of got the impression that it was is in, in the future, and and now the I guess the ship's computer is talking to this main character. Who, who's this female uh, AI that's involved in this relationship? So, why don't you give us some, some no- synopsis without spoiling too much about the show, the episode? Okay.
3: I'll try my best to to give us without spoiling too much. All right. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's it's sort of weird because there isn't, in my opinion, there isn't a lot that really happens. It's not a real like plot heavy uh, episode. Whereas I think the, even in the 15 to 20 minutes that we had in the prior episode with um, Ensign Tilly, I felt like a lot more sort of happened there, uh, even though it was, uh, you know, these are constrained budget sort of episodes. And so they're using pre-existing sets and they're using only like three or four different sets. I think we've seen Um, this one to me was more about the sort of character interaction and sort of the emotion and feelings so you have uh the ship's ai zora which apparently after the last thousand years has gone Viger and has yeah. uh, become a fully realized ai uh, rather than being the, uh, the rather simplistic ship's computer that we know and love from discovery uh in in the uh, you know current timeline i guess uh of season one and uh it, it stars um I forget the actor's name. Aldous I really Hodge. Thank you. As uh, Kraft, who is a uh, person who gets pulled in from uh, an escape pod, who has been obviously injured and been through some sort of war, uh, apparently has been away for some time as a as a warrior. And they have sort of more like uh, a budding romance that, that builds up between these two characters over the course of some amount of time. I don't remember if they specify. It seems like he's been on their, the ship for a while. Uh, even introducing things like uh, Taco Tuesday, in which he has neither idea of what Taco's or or Tuesday happened to be, um, so it definitely is a as a different time than when you know the normal discovery we know, and it ends in a rather sort of um, sort of poignant way, and it feels like it was more of a uh, like an emotion for me than it was a oh yeah this 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 was like clearly moving the story forward or this was um you know setting up some particular plot points uh, maybe it sets up a character for all we know I mean it's not unheard of to have weird sort of space and time things happen in a Star Trek show so it I don't know, like it was, really it was like the Picard
2: episode where he. Gets- Gets gets in, sucked inside the satellite and lives for a thousand years and learns to play the flute and all that. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I kind of wondered is he is he really is he really in the ship or is he like in uh, sick bay and and this is all happening in his head? What do you think? I think it's real. And I think
1: the the real takeaway that I got from it was you know this is their way of writing around why Discovery isn't among the iconic uh, Star Trek ships. I think the idea was right. they yeah. go on this mission the ship is abandoned and therefore that way they don't have to explain why it's not uh around during enterprise or any of the other sort of series that are um, in that era or the star trek uh the original series right they can say well it went on this mission sometime in in the 10 years between now and the start of the next uh what would be the original series it goes on this mission it gets lost in deep space the ship abandons it and they say hey ai ship you stay here and hold your position and we'll come back and get you and and it's their way of sort of writing Discovery's end game out the question is are we going to see that mission
3: Hmm. Hmm. yeah if if they do end up going out that way I really hope that CBS really has it planned out like I don't mean like oh they had to plan like you know this is going to be the seventh season just okay whenever it is we decide that we don't want to do any more seasons that final season hopefully will end uh, with a hint towards this and that would be a nice tie-in to get it all tied in together
1: yeah I read a good piece, um, the Hollywood Reporter, I'll put it into the show notes. Um the Hollywood Reporter did a great piece, so they interviewed Michael Shabun, who uh of course is an amazing Pulitzer Prize winning writer. He was the co-writer of this episode, so that's a nice get for that, by the way. Um he said he wrote it based on the Odyssey. Um so this is the story of Odysseus landing on the Isle of Calypso, hence the title Calypso. Um oh. so Odysseus is coming back from battle, he's hurt, he stops on the Isle of Calypso, Calypso falls in love with him is he's tempted to stay but he wants to get home so it's it's an allegory obviously and it's a it's a take on that story um which if you read the classics is part of that um uh and so there's that piece to it but then he also was talking about you know how to tie that into the star trek lore it's it's really interesting i'll put it in the show notes please take the time read it. it's interesting it's an interview with aldous hodge and michael shaban um talking about why they did this episode so lots of cool stuff in there um so i won't spoil the whole thing and i certainly won't take credit for it reporter, Hollywood reporter, Hollywood reporter. Um, But yeah, I think uh, when you put it into that sort of frame, obviously it's an interesting way to spin that classic story. Um, But like the last one, I think we talked about it in our previous uh, spotcast. cast. I came away from that one not knowing, is this part of a larger narrative that's going to carry forward into season two, three, four, whatever? Did they introduce us to those characters so that they can build on it? Or is it just, this is all there is and it's a touch base with the characters, it's a 15-minute amuse Boosh. get you ready for the season? Or is this part of a larger uh, narrative that's going to tie together over the coming seasons of the show? Um, I'm really curious, because this was interesting. Like, the idea of what was the mission, the idea of, you know, uh, are we going to see some weird... I mean, this Discovery's got some pretty cool abilities. We saw that in season one. It can warp through dimensions. It can warp, you know, from place to place. Maybe it can warp a thousand years into the future, and, you know, maybe somebody's going to come back and get the ship and go on more missions or something like you can't write anything out right
2: that's true mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. so th- th- I, again i i found myself just like tim and we talked about it yesterday a little perplexed coming out of it like but just like none of our familiar characters other than the ship um you know there was some very trek trekkiness to it um but i don't think it was as satisfying as the first one just because um that one had tilly and we liked tilly and tilly was a recognizable character and it really sort of continued her story from where we left her in season one this was something completely detached um not in any way bad just a little
3: more detached yeah I, I definitely agree this one's a little harder to figure out if it would fit into discovery as a whole and and much less season two in particular just given the time frame
1: yeah. and and again interesting sort of you know mysterious character we you know have uh you know all that all the cosplays. plays is you know you kind of wonder you know is there more is there something else are we going to hear from this character is this just one of those, you know, uh, ships in the night, if you'll pardon the analogy, but you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Is this just, is this just what it is or is there more? And, and I think that's the thing that's sort of building over the course of watching the first two of these and obviously two more to go before we get to season two in January. Um, yeah, I'm really curious. Are, is, are, is this foundational or is this incidental? Right. Hmm.
3: Anything else on this episode? What do you think? Yeah, uh, I, I can't think of anything, anything else that's, uh, If I were to try to give a recap, it would probably be, you know, scene for scene. And there really weren't that many scenes because it's 15 minutes. Um, Yeah. I'd I'd say folks should just check it out. It won't take you more than, you know, like a coffee break to watch. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. that's good. uh, You know, helps if you've seen Funny Face. You know, feel free to watch Funny Face. uh, Classic 1957 movie. Fred Astaire, Audrey Hepburn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, One of the weirder, uh, you know, uh, twists to see them all dressed up and dancing, I think. A little weird.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I forgot about the Funny Face reference in there yeah that's true okay all right okay like well, we move on to the watch list now yeah all mm-hmm. right i guess i'll go first i'd mentioned first man as a, a movie i went and saw it the day it came out because yeah i've just you know I, I apollo was the first thing i kind of woke up to as a young child um because i think apollo 7 had just uh, launched when i first became aware of of space travel and sort of you know followed everything voraciously until well, into Skylab and when they stopped broadcasting things like that, right? So, and of course, I followed in you know, a lot of the, the space shuttle missions, but anyway, so First Man is a great movie. Uh, I saw it in IMAX or saw it in, not in an IMAX theater, and for some reason, they filmed a lot of the scenes with IMAX cameras, but they didn't broadcast, they didn't use that in the theater, which I'm, I'm a little perplexed by. But um, it gives it's a sort of a first person point of view of what it was like to go to the moon, if you think about it that way. So, it's very very focused on neil Armstrong and i 'm not sure I, I kind of wonder i 've got the audiobook now because i 'm going to go through and, and sort of get a sense of what the story is really about, because um, you never know with movies they kind of play on them differently um, he He was a notoriously a very solitary man and you know very very intelligent very quick um, you 'll see if you watch the movie why he was chosen to be the first man to go to the to the moon there 's obvious reasons which i 'm not going to give away spoilers. But um, a good good story, uh, and, you know, his, his wife apparently is, uh, the uh, is it to Claire Floyd who plays his wife? Claire Floyd, yeah. Yeah, she apparently is uh, an Oscar contender because of her portrayal, but it um, should be interesting, interesting to see. I wasn't really impressed with the guy who played Buzz Aldrin, but that's a whole other story. Hmm. Um, yeah, just the, the actor just didn't, didn't, wasn't Buzz enough for me, like, you know, I, I've sort of seen Buzz speak a number of times and you know, watched him over the years, and I don't I don't think this the guy they chose had the, was the right. Kind of actor, mind you. There's a few scenes in, in the movie where where uh, you can do a double take, you know, with uh, Ryan Gosling looking like uh, Neil Armstrong, but but not a lot because a lot of times he looks like Ryan Gosling, right? <laughs> but a uh, great movie, like it, like you, you really get the "Holy cow, they're going to the moon for real" thing here, because like you're the camera shakes and you're in the if you're in watching it in a large theater, you know, you're really involved in the, the sound and the and the visuals really give the impression of like this is literally a tin can that these guys are being fired at the moon and so that was that was an interesting uh, interesting thing so
1: i've heard so first, that uh ryan gosling's
2: performance is really subdued like really really stayed like sort of chill uh is that yeah true? yeah he's a bit like k in 2049 like in terms of like lack of you know but but then apparently Neil Armstrong was like that he was real sort of cool cool operator like smooth operator kind of thing just you know very very calm didn't really say a lot and and but when he did say something it was it was impressive and and you know inspiring and that kind of stuff so you'll see you'll get a sense from the movie why he ended up being the the first guy it was a good it was a good portrayal Mm. again I don't know how true to life it is you know i have read stories about Armstrong after after the fact and you know he just sort of melded back into life and you know would would yeah. <sighs> He would sign autographs, but he wouldn't go out of his way for, to look for a spotlight sort of thing. Mm. And, it's, and it's based on a book, right? It's based on the... It's based on a book called First Man, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, there's a number, of, like the the Apollo 13 movie and um, um, From the Earth to the Moon are based on another book by um, an, a guy who came after the fact, a young, young author who went back and researched everything, in kind of a lay This is written by a different guy. And like I said, I haven't really got into the book yet, so... But I, I was curious enough to sort of see what, you know, what they did in the... Because, you know, in, in movies, they have to sort of... They, they can't do everything that's in the book, kind of thing, right? But if you know anything about Neil Armstrong's history, you know all they hit all the points, like they, they didn't miss a single one in terms of in terms of what what he went through to get to the moon. Hmm. Well, it's definitely on my radar. Yeah, speaking of getting to the moon, um, the other movie I have on my watch list is Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, like I was talking to my sister, uh, we both remember where we were when we first heard the song Bohemian Rhapsody, and um, it was a game changer. You um, was sort of the second second single that sort of made queen come into our consciousness um the movie has a bunch of bunch of uh it's very inspiring if you're a queen fan you'll love it um the music's great it's a mix of uh, there's a canadian singer for his name now freddie mercury and uh and our star, what's the name of our guy who plays Freddie Mercury? Rami Malek. Yeah, mix of Rami Malek's voice in there as well. But um, there are some issues, and uh, you know, like, like I knew a little bit about Queen to begin with, and and I've read some things after the fact, and they sort of glossed over a lot of things. I mean, apparently, like um, um, Brian May's wife, first wife didn't like her portrayal in the movie, so they just cut all of her scenes out of the movie. <laughs> hmm. um, and the way that they play the 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 um, Challenges between you know the, the breaking up of the band and forming back again together, apparently that was completely fiction for hollywood 's sake you know, um, and they play with the timeline in terms of like you know as we know Freddie Mercury died of, of from AIDS, but he doesn 't find out about AIDS until much later than they portray it in the movie so there 's a lot of a lot of issues like that and uh, but what 's interesting though is is um, I have a link here from uh, uh, Cbc uh, a writer talks about uh, uh, very interesting thing about why his like you know an open letter to fans of, of Bohemian Rhapsody um, because he has a trouble he has trouble with the way that that um, the whole movie portrays Freddie Mercury and and the whole issue of being you know LGBTQ. Uh, apparently Freddie Mercury wasn't openly gay; he was actually bisexual, right? So mm. they portray him spoilers for those of you who are going to see the movie they portray him as as gay, and that's it's it's kind of like you know well he was gay so. There Therefore he got AIDS. Therefore he died, kind of thing, mm. you know. And it's a shame. And he was a great artist and all that kind of stuff. But but that wasn't there, there. Was more to it than just that. I mean, you know, one one of the people who who told the story about Freddie Mercury, besides the guys in the band, were was his, his former uh, his ex wife, who he stayed friends with throughout his whole life, right? So um, there are some there are some issues with with that. But I mean, you know, um, the the point of this article is is the the, the guy is writing here is, is don't think that the movie is a complete work of truth. It's it's a, a fiction fictionalized version of what actually happened uh, in the story of Queen and, and Freddie Mercury, right? And I guess for the sake of making an exciting movie, they, they kind of played with the with the, the history a bit, right? Yeah, so, I heard yeah. they
1: crushed the scene, uh, the Live Aid scene, though, right?
2: Yeah, um, if you, yeah, it's it's. I mean, linked to the bottom of this article too is the actual YouTube video of, of the twenty minute performance or twenty five minute performance of Queen, and uh, um, yeah, it was it was like you know seminal in terms of it's one of the greatest performances of, of rock history you know, according to you know what you read but and it's not the full they, they recorded the whole thing but it wasn't they didn't per, they didn't play the whole concert in the show but or in the movie but it's very convincing hmm. yeah and and the way they did the way they rebuilt the set and the crowd and you know they kind of really capture. They really Hollywood. Ho, they really Hollywoodize it uh, a bit to make it look bigger than it really it might have been, right? So I mean, it was a big show. Don't get me wrong, but you know I, I like remember like Peter how, Jackson.
1: They have orcs battling off in all directions. They just yeah, and there's few
2: E.T. characters in the back <laughs> there. You can see in there. But but the thing about it is they they you know they portray it as as sounding great. I'm sure if you were sitting in the cheap seats back in back in the, in the mid '80s, whenever this was '84, I think right '85, um, Stadium Rock was. Is not that great from an audio perspective, right? Like if you were sitting, you know, way in the back, you know, you, know, you may not, you may not have been able to hear everything. Never mind see anything, right? So hmm. you're not like going to a concert today where you know the sound is really good and there's all lots of visuals to look at. You'd, you'd be looking at these little ants on the stage bouncing around, right? So um, and that's why it's
1: but, awesome when bands brought
2: giant inflatable pigs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, so it's it's. I definitely recommend uh, if you're even if you're curious about it, I would you know see it. If you're a, a fan of the of of the band or, or Freddie Mercury himself. I'd definitely go see it in the theater for sure before it, before it disappears. Because I, I don't know that it would work on a small disc, a small screen, but. There you go. Or an airplane. Can you imagine watching this on an airplane? Yeah. Um, I have one small pick here. We, we kind of joked about it when it first came out, but Sabrina and the, I forget what the, t- the actual title is, but it's like the creepy history of Sabrina or whatever. Yeah, creepy chilling adventures, adventures or something. Chilling yeah. Adventures of Sabrina, yeah. It's actually a very good show. Like, I am I'm, I'm uh, just finished watching episode eight of ten, um, and uh, it's, it, it's, just, it's a bit of Harry Potter. It's a bit of, you know, like, I haven't watched Riverdale, so I don't know how much Riverdale it's like, but. Uh, but, yeah, it's a very compelling show, very well done, um, not campy at all. You know, the two ants aren't you know are like the two ants in the original TV show and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's. I definitely would recommend watching Sabrina hmm. if you guys haven't already turned it on yet. You
1: watch it before the lawsuit and they have to take it down, right? Why? What lawsuit? Well, they're getting sued because they apparently used uh, some imagery from the Satanic Church in oh, one really? of the episodes. Uh, Baphomet, the, the goat-headed god uh, from the oh, Satanic Church. a lot of it yeah so apparently they used that it's something on campus i I haven't had a chance to watch the show yet but uh apparently they used some imagery that's straight from the satanic church's uh stuff and they think that they it has been misrepresented what that represents and so they first threatened the lawsuit and now have filed a lawsuit against netflix uh saying that they feel like
2: their intellectual property of uh the satanic church has been offended you mean they own the visual representation of satan
1: uh i don't know if it's because they copied directly something that is something, apparently what they use on the show, and again, I've only read the article so I can't speak to their veracity, but uh, apparently the issue was that the way it's represented on the show is identical to something that is actually at the Satanic Church in Massachusetts. Um, so there was some offense as to how it was portrayed. At one point it starts uh, weeping blood or something? I haven't... Uh, oh, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. So apparently there were some concerns about the way it was portrayed. So uh, as, as these things go, you know, we, we've seen it the past where sometimes you have to you know see series uh you know they'll take something and they'll edit a scene out or they'll make changes after the fact so you won't get the same experience because of uh, circumstances like this so you never know
2: could see the edited version watch it while you can right okay cool all right so jaime what do you got for us on the watch list
3: yeah, one that's a little bit outside of our, our normal stuff, but I think sort of applies because we were talking about Rami Malek, and certainly we've we've mentioned Mr. Robot on this uh on this very podcast. So if you like uh Sam Eshmael's style of directing as he does in Mr. Robot, you will definitely love homecoming which is on uh, on amazon it stars julia roberts and shay wiggum and um i forget his name he's also a mr robot uh bobby Cannavale. Cannavale, oh, Cannaval, right. yeah yeah um as some really interesting characters the, it's hard to give away too much without really spoiling things uh, because it is sort of an, an investigative sort of uh show that's that's sort of the, the premise the basic premise is that there's a facility called homecoming which Julia Roberts works at where they help um they help soldiers who have PTSD transition back into civilian life and then something went terribly wrong and here it is years later a department of Defense investigator is wondering like what the heck happened you know this this isn't adding up on the on the records it's uh it's it's pretty good it's I wouldn't call it um like a thriller it's not like oh wow you know there's like lots of uh, tons of crazy action going on it's definitely more of like a moody thing and, and if you watch for the way that the whole show is constructed you'll say oh here's an homage that was done to, uh, something that like Mr. Robot does or a style of, uh, of uh, filmography that they have there. And it, it was just really fun. It's pretty short. I think it's like what, 10-ish episodes and they're only half an hour each, so it's not really a, a big investment to get into it. So I'd, say, I'd say it's worth a watch. Cool. Alright. What do you got first, Jonathan? Well, I uh, I'm going to
1: flash forward to something <clears throat> that I'm looking forward to watching. So uh, by the time uh, we get to our next one this will have come out. And mm-hmm. so uh, I and my the sun are very keen to go see ralph breaks the internet uh i don't know if you guys have had a chance to catch up with the trailers for this but it just looks like a riot um the first one was this great homage to both classic video games and classic animation uh also tied into some modern animation stuff uh really good voice cast john c riley sarah silverman um uh Alan Tudyk we the, you know it was a it was a great fun movie uh, we were big fans and the trailer mm-hmm. the trailers that they keep putting out the clips they keep putting out uh just make this movie look excellent the premise is obviously as it says uh Ralph leaves his video game comfortable environment and ventures onto the internet uh chaos ensues um you know looks like it's full of puns and gags and jokes as the first one was but obviously as disney goes probably lots of heart um but yeah i i can't wait to watch this movie it just looks so damn funny every time i see another trailer another commercial another little taste of it it all just makes me want to watch it it just looks like so much fun so um looking forward to checking that out in the next couple weeks and uh it's uh it's starting to get closer to really good movie season again we sort of had the uh, traditional uh you know here in toronto we have the toronto international film festivals we get a lot of um uh, Oscar-y type movies here in September. October always brings the horror glut. Uh, we get a few more sort of Oscar movies in November, but as we start phasing further in November, we're going to get our new Fantastic Beasts movie. We're going to get this. Uh, the Ralph Breaks the Internet. We're going to have uh, Aquaman's coming up. We're going to have uh, Into the Spider-Verse, the new Spider-Man animated picture, which looks amazing. Uh, and we're getting another movie that I'm dying to see is the PG-13 version of Deadpool 2 that they're putting out Once Upon a Deadpool. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see any of the stuff they're doing on this. Uh, They started doing it as as the studio asked them if they could do a cut. They didn't like the idea of doing a cut that was just a cut. So they decided to go back and started reshooting scenes. And then they decided that they wanted to do more. So they actually went back and did a whole new framing sequence. And the framing sequence is Deadpool reading a story to an adult Freddy Savage in his bed. And his bed is the bedroom from Princess Bride. I mean, this is genius stuff. That okay. sounds pretty
3: good. I can't believe they're going that far.
1: Yeah. On it. So uh, not only are they doing this, but uh, apparently the way they are decided to do it is they're going to put it back into theaters. Uh, I believe it's the second week of December that's going into theaters. Um, and they're donating some of the money that they're making off this to charity. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're having a clearly having a great time coming back at this. Um, Deadpool is one of those movies that, you know, obviously, you know, Tim, you and I saw it mm-hmm. when it came out, saw Deadpool 2. I haven't been able to share it with my sons because it is incredibly uh, blue and incredibly violent. Uh, so I'm going to go see this movie because a I'm curious because those movies are hilarious and awesome, and also I want to see this new stuff with Freddie Savage because that is just too funny. And it's PG. Yes, they're they're going to do a cut. I guess they're going to take out some of the. Uh, uh, well, I, don't, I don't know how they're going to do it. They're going to have to take out a lot of the graphic violence and they're. Gonna to have to take yeah. out uh, a Most lot of the dialogue, sexual yeah. uh, imagery. The Sharon Stone Basic Instinct scene from Deadpool Two will have to come out. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's I. Maybe it'll be like 45 minutes. I don't know, but it's going to be it's going to be worth watching. You know these guys love this character. You know these guys are going to have a good time. I love that they didn't just say, fine, we'll just make a TV cut and we'll just say, gosh darn it, in a few spots. They're clearly interested in uh, really doing something else. And so this looks, this looks going to be so, so much fun. All
3: right. Cool. I feel like as long as we're mentioning Deadpool, um, I should mention that the trailer came out this week for Detective Pikachu. Oh, God. Which- is yeah. a live action Pokemon movie which stars um, Ryan Reynolds basically as Deadpool. Um, for voicing a uh, Pikachu that the main character is the only one who can actually understand what he's actually saying. Yeah, it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Very much so. And the the real world designs of some of the, the Pokemon um, have caused some consternation in the internet. People either love it or hate it. I think it will be an interesting movie nevertheless, if only because the trailer looked like it was, uh, it was fun, especially with uh, Ryan Reynolds' sort of uh, wisecracking sarcasm style of a speech. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. That's a
2: Netflix watch, but, but but one that I'm looking forward to watching on Netflix. So is that the equivalent of what used to be a rental for us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. I see. Okay. Alright. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this episode. So, hey, Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPKNews.
1: And you keep forgetting to mention the um, And Cineplex. you can read my stuff on Cineplex.com if you want to. She you can must. go to JPKComics.com if you want to, although it's there's like a thousand things on there just not a lot of new things
2: no no but i'm we'll there link to, we'll link to the stanley interview for sure um and hi if people want to get in touch with you where would they do that
3: i'm also on twitter as at dev of the hair
2: all right and as usual i am tim mitra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitcher machine is the best way to get a hold of me and until next month when we have another short trek we'll see you in the future bye bye bye, bye.
1: You can find details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us.
2: Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the future. interesting i I, I was just thinking you know as we're going through the show that we're probably the closest thing to replacing inner space that's out there right now (laughs) (laughs) you know we should just rename the podcast not inner space not yeah more than just inner space (laughs) (laughs) more than just a canceled show we'll wait for the wait for the lawsuit to show show (laughs) Mm and we're on rogers too yeah the spiritual successor too yeah yeah i wonder if i can get the former co-host to to relay that to people <laughs> yeah yeah well you know hit them up on the twitter machine you never know yeah yeah Hey well, we were inspired by them too. Like, you know, they we were they were we were actually watching I was watching their show to get some ideas for the for our show, right? So yeah. you know, some it was some of our research points, right? So
1: we miss you inner space, you're the best.
2: Yeah, I know we have to watch Mighty Trains now to get, you know Yeah, I haven't watched Mighty Trains. You watch Mighty Trains yet? Yeah, I'm watching Mighty Trains, it's pretty cool. So it, well the funny thing about it is is that you know, when we moved to India when I was a little kid, like three years old, you go across India, like we landed in in Bombay, which is now Mumbai, or was originally Mumbai by um and you take a train across the country to like it's like going from you know um i i, I think uh, india is pretty wide too it's probably like going from from toronto to calgary kind of distance right mm. like you know you're on it for a couple of days right um and everybody travels by train in, in india so i mean like you know i think i first sort of saw something like that or, or i think the first episode of this second season was the great canadian which is the train you can take from vancouver to toronto i think mm. um and it you know it's like and you can get on and off and it's got these great big you know panel windows across the top so like you know the drive that you and i did that one year jonathan it's like you can do that on a train and and you know and and travel in style and all that kind of stuff right so So we don't have to take turns looking at the skylight. yeah yeah exactly exactly but and they don't well i mean and they they drive during the day and i think you can get on and off too like it's kind of like a cruise and it's about as expensive as a cruise too it's not very not, not inexpensive right so there's also the polar bear express which is another train that goes up north to north like you know up, up towards hudson bay but not quite that far right mm. that I've, I've heard is quite spectacular too right yeah. um but the the uh train that he does in i think the second or third episode this year is or this season is um a, a, like this grand train that goes like the emperor's express or whatever in india and it's like you know this really high you know high quality you know you know sort of orient express kind of uh route right where mm. you travel in style like the raj kind of thing right so so again, not inexpensive, but uh, but I guess memorable if you're gonna if you're gonna see India that way, right? So hmm. yeah. So this this uh, one they just did was this this last episode was about or two weeks ago was about the train like a speed super speed train that goes across from Madrid to Barcelona in Spain and it travels as fast as like an F1 car kind of thing. So you know 200, 200 miles an hour or whatever something like that. Yeah. So pretty pretty cool stuff. Well, you call me when he does Snowpiercer, then I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> I you know I've never actually. I've, I've tried to watch that a couple of times, but never re- never really got very far with it. I did actually take the there was a, a turbo train that went from um, from Montreal to Toronto. I took I took that once with my dad. We went we took a, we flew to Montreal, watched the game at the Forum, a hockey game at the Forum, right? And then and then we uh, we took this turbo train back, and it was like uh, this really cool train that travels from between Toronto and Montreal, like you know, in like not quite the five or six hours it takes to drive there now, right? So yeah, I think it was like three hours or something like that. It, was, it wasn't super. Du- super speed but it was you know pretty fast and that trains now long defunct right so yeah yeah so that was fun hmm. you know like trains yeah Let's see what Sheldon likes trains <laughs> and as long as you're not you know filling your basement full of them that's probably it's probably fine yeah no, no. I'd, have to, I'd have to get rid of the, the max and the uh, and the guitars
1: yeah yeah one <laughs> one small hobby yeah I could use my comic books as a great base for the train tracks so, decided you know, yeah. like to expand my hobbies I could just combine them
2: yeah so you know I don't know if you heard about it on on more than just code we talked about your your man cave there well it's not really a man cave but it's your your storage locker of of collectibles and stuff right so floor yeah, to I, ceiling right
1: I, I didn't but uh well which which portion of it i suppose
2: well i was talking about we were talking about how many how much stuff you have in there and the fact that you we weren't talking about your comic book boxes at all but the you know the, the room back room you have there off the family room and and i'd mentioned that you couldn't swing a cat without hitting something and, and xavier replied back that you can they have actually tried to swing the cat in there i i <laughs> been trying uh whenever i can to swing the cat uh
1: no i've actually gone through and and done a little bit of uh decluttering i I managed to uh get rid of a little bit of stuff to try and uh, tighten it up in there but uh Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's a weird you know it's just like so many other things you know at a certain point i feel like especially now that i'm not uh writing regularly about uh comics and graphic novels as i was for 15 20 years Mm -hmm. um i always felt like this you know i should probably hold onto this book because I may want to go back and reread it in case the next person, you know, like if there's an author's work or a writer yeah. or an artist, I've sort of held on to so much stuff that I was like, well, I want to hold on to that. Um, but I think now that I, I don't necessarily see myself pursuing that in, in the same way, I think, you know, there's probably mm-hmm. some stuff in here that
2: I could cull Um, so how know. do you call it? Do you put it on eBay or take it to a comic book store or what do you do with it?
1: Uh, different things. I've donated large chunks, boxes full of stuff to the library. Um, oh, yeah you know the the mississauga library is actually a really good um uh collection of of graphic novels and comics um but there's is pretty mainstream mm-hmm. so I, especially the sort of alty stuff which i like i've boxed up bunches of stuff and taken it over and just said this is for you guys have a good time mm-hmm. um i have turned some of it in tried to trade some of it in to see if i can get um you know a little credit here and there uh towards right. other things i'm interested in but uh and some of it i've just frankly just you know hey uh, i know somebody who's a fan here's a you know handful of books or a bag full of books and off you go right Hmm. but uh but yeah i mean it's 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 hard too. again i i am as most people in middle age tend to be i'm still wistful for the notion that i will get to the things i want to get to uh i'm still going to read that again I'm still gonna watch that movie I'm totally gonna to listen to that album uh, you know yeah. I, you know I'm sure and I watched my grandfather go through this in the last few years of his life uh, where he was just systematically being like "Nope, don't need this anymore uh, really? which is a little yeah it's a little morose but you know he was literally like never gonna read this book again you want it it's like well that's all right fair point um, you know yeah. maybe I'll get to that point where I will sort of make the conclusion in my mind when I finish reading this book again I will never read this book again and therefore I can get rid of this book, but I right, right. I just don't know that I'm uh, to that point with a lot of stuff that I'm very attached to. You know, some of these books, you know, uh, their stories, you know, comic book stories or novels or albums or movies or, you know, things that I've enjoyed for my entire lifetime. And the idea that I, I can take them down off the shelf and watch or read or enjoy them still gives me comfort, uh, right. especially because I have this vain notion that I won't die uh, penniless. I'll actually be able to enjoy my retirement years and have some time to read and watch movies and mm-hmm, do mm-hmm. all the things that I, you know, so many of us lose track of, you know, time during our uh, our working years. You're like, oh, I'm going to get to that movie or that series or that, you know, recollect that whole, you know, I, there's some series that I've been dying to read. You know, I have a whole run of some books where i systematically bought all the books, but I know that it's going to take me, you know, with my work life, it's going to take me a couple weeks or a couple months right, to get through right. and read the whole thing. Like, oh man, I'm not going to do that anytime soon. I'll wait till I'm 75. Right now, I just have. To convince my wife to move the 60 boxes full of comics I have with me to the next place When I'm 75, to read them. Mm -hmm. By then, they'll all be on some great uh, Netflix esque comic app that. uh... Actually, in the States, there's this great Comixology in the United States has this great feature where you can get Comixology Unlimited. It's a great idea where you pay a monthly fee and you get to read all the comics digitally. Is it available here in Canada, you ask? Why, no, it's not, because screw you, Canada. (laughs) Wow. You and your paper copies. So therefore, we have a choice. You can either pay the per book digital copy price, which is certainly lower than you would pay for a actual physical copy. However, it is not an inconsequential amount of money. Uh, Or you can go scrummage through the old secondhand stores like I do and find copies of some of these books for less than you'd pay for the digital copies. So the problem is, is that in the end, you end up with a hard copy and you're stuck with hard copies and then you have piles and piles of hard copy things.
2: Right. So what does a comic book cost these days?
1: Uh, New book, uh, average new book would be three to four bucks.
2: Oh, okay. All right. Uh, um, Depending on the publisher,
1: the size, the the quality of the paper, lots of variables in there. Um, But yeah, three to four bucks is pretty standard. It's not nothing. Um, A lot of places now are doing same day digital. So on the same day, you would go on a Wednesday to a comic book store. Wednesday's comic book day. Um, You would go to the store to get your new books. You could get the digital copy off of sites like marvel.com has a, a great app with a reader in it. So does DC uh, Comics, uh, Comixology, um, which is run through Amazon, uh, has that as well. So if you're paying $4 in the store, you're paying usually about two bucks on digital. Um, and you can download it or you can just read it. Um, you don't have to download it if you don't want to. Uh, and it's yours obviously to keep, uh, Comixology has these amazing sales. I don't know when the next one is, but I, every single week check in because a couple times a year they have sales where they do $1 collections. Mm-hmm where you can get uh you know a limited series or like an eight issue run of some book for a buck a buck each oh, okay right um it's a dollar us to be fair you can do it through amazon.com here in canada you can it's one of the things we can actually do uh you can order it there and pay the you know just pay the difference in the exchange rate so it's a dollar 25 a book uh but either way the value is there so i did that last time they had a sale i bought about 10 books i spent i know it was 14 bucks um and and I, I, I enjoy the digital reading experience. It's not; it's certainly not the same as reading the physical copy. And I certainly do enjoy the tactile experience. It's part of my age showing. But uh, the digital comics are good. Like, they do a nice job. The readers are really good. They go panel by panel or page by page. They give you the option. Um, they're a little vibrant for my taste just because that's what the screens are. Like, they don't do a great job of um, capturing the mo- the tone, the mood, because everything's just so crisp and bright. If you're reading it on an iPad pro or an ipad it's just so crisp and clear and and so you lose some of that uh feel of of art printed art
2: well but yeah it's because it, it, like color is completely different in, in printed form than it is in, in digital form right so it, it is it truly is and it, even in the same wider, way like yeah. print, printed comics nowadays are printed generally
1: on pretty high quality paper yeah um, but there's a limit to
2: what they can do with the ink because of the color right unless you're using high high definition printing where they're printing with multiple magentas and cyans and stuff like that right
1: well when we were kids of course they were doing doing, you know, dot printing on, you know, old printing like, presses. It was... it was flexography, yeah. It was oh, yeah, with... it was absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you got what you got. Well, now they're going back in there doing these sort of, you know, high quality omnibuses and absolute editions and these beautiful collections of these books where they go back and they take that art and they go back and they polish it down and they get rid of the dots and everything else. So, you're getting, a, it's like remastered. It's like watching a 4K version of a 1960s Bond movie, right? You're getting these yeah, beautiful, vibrant things, but it's kind of not right also you're like I don't remember James Bond's costume being quite so vibrant you know like it's, it's not quite right
2: Part, but, part of the art, though, was in, in terms of how they would lay down the, the, you know, shading and stuff like that, with given the limited uh, scope they had. Because they were printing on newsprint, right, back in the, those days, right?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. It would
2: bleed quite a bit, right?
1: Absolutely. And you can see it in some of the older books. You can see the bleed. Like, if you get, you know, you, again, you get misaligned staples, you get misaligned things, you get... it's a, It was not a perfect process. It was, like, they put the comic books on the printing presses after they were done printing the papers, you know? Like, it was not yeah, yeah. high art. Um, you know, it was pulp. It was, that's what they were. They were pulp. Um, so I enjoyed the digital experience there. They do a really good job. Uh, I've read some stories only in that form and really enjoyed them. But for me, it still feels, um, I don't know, synthetic. It just doesn't feel like the same experience to me. So I'm, I'm still not hundred percent sold. I have friends who are, are completely sold and, and regularly buy their books that way and really enjoy them that way. And they like, like so many people now who don't want to have the physical video collection or the physical music collection. They just want their books. On their iPad, and they bring them with them, and they're always with them. And you know, you keep a thousand albums on your iPhone, this way, you're keeping a thousand comic books on your iPhone, and they like that. Right. I'm not there yet. Not to mention the fact that you know it's it's not it's not free. It's not cheap. Um, if there was something like Comicsology where at least you know you pay the monthly fee and you can just sort of read and read and read, that's fine. But if you were reading issue by issue or collection by collection, it's it's expensive. It's an expensive hobby.
2: So yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know,
1: I'll get there eventually. Eventually, I'll get there, and <laughs> I have a vision of one day being in this beautiful, like you know, small downsized place. Where I have no stuff, just one really cool device that has it all on there. It's all my music and my movies and my shows and comic books. And I can just be
2: like, eh, what I feel like today. It's going to be chip behind your ears what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> You'll be like you'll be like a, a guy in the episode of Calypso. You'll be lying in a in a hospital bed somewhere, and they'll be feeding you your, your experience, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know. Jaime, have you checked out any of the digital comics?
3: I did have a Comicsology account way back when, before Amazon bought them. Um, back when it was easier to just buy within the app itself, and then Amazon said, "No, we don't want to give Apple fifteen percent cut," and so you had to go on the web. Kind of very similar to the Kindle experience on yeah. iOS where you'd go into the web, buyer content and then you would just have it unlocked on there. And, and somewhere around there is where I got very upset because they, they like reset accounts or something and I wasn't using one password way back then. So I like lost my account. was like well, whatever. Mm. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have to sign up at some point. Yeah. Re-sign up again.
1: Yeah, it's good. It, I really wish, uh, you know, in so many of these circumstances, again, I get that it's copyright law. There's lots of different reasons why they don't do some of these things and, you know, exclusivity and contracts and money and you know, obviously I'm not a fool. But Things like, you know, Comixology Unlimited, it hasn't been a short while. It's been out in the States for years. Um, And they advertise it on the, the app that I have on my phone. It's the same app. And they're like, hey, get it now. Get it now. Get it now. I'm like, I would if I could. Stop teasing me. Uh, you know, it's a shame that there aren't stuff like that because yeah, there's so much content out there, and and what a great platform to have that stuff on. Again, I don't have every issue of Spider Man. I have hundreds of issues of Spider Man, but if I wanted to read an entire run, sometimes there's this you know, oh, you should also read this limited series, and you should also read this you know, adjunct thing that they added in, and oh, if you're reading an event series like uh, well, Secret Wars or something. There's all these tie-in books. Well, I don't want—I don't want to a spend all the money on the tie-in books, or I don't want to buy a collection that's just the tie-in books. To, but I might want to read one or two of them. That's why those things are so genius. Like that's what something like that service is for but alas
2: not available to me yeah it's interesting where where all this sort of digital property goes because at the end of the day you don't even own it you know you just you own the right to look at it
1: (laughs) well did you read that story there was a great one going around uh, the blogosphere it was probably six weeks or two months ago uh about the fact that apple can pull your content yeah yeah and people were outraged they're like what but i keep it on there and they were like no no what you're paying for is the right to download something right right and if you choose not to download it but just keep it in the cloud they have the right to have their contracts expire they don't have unlimited contracts to for example disney content if disney at the end of whatever term they've set out with apple wants to pull all of its content off the itunes store so that they can have you buy disney plus they can so Mm -hmm. if you haven't taken the time and you have 20 marvel movies and all your star wars movies and you haven't downloaded them and they drop off the store they don't owe you anything they don't have to tell It's just not available to you anymore, and it's your choice not to have downloaded it.
2: Well, this is the same. They're doing doing the same thing with operating systems, because as you know, I have a whole bunch of Macs. And, and, um, you know, back in the day, I would have a CD or a USB drive with with the operating system on it, right? And uh, then they went to the store, and then you had to use your Apple ID to download the various versions of the operating systems. And now they're free, but... Um, like, for instance, the we're, we're in Mojave right now, which is 10.14, and before that was High Sierra, it was 10.13. You cannot get Sierra anywhere. Like, for a while it was there available, but now you can't, if you don't have a copy of it, you can't can't uh, download it. And even if you do have a copy of the installer, Apple stopped signing it, so it may not actually work for you, right? So um, if you're not, it's kind of, it's, they're not really, and of course they update the operating systems because of security and breaches and stuff like that, and we all know that. But the reality is, like for me, who's like a retro computer user, I can't go back and run an old operating system because it's just not available to me, right? There's a there's a gap between when operating systems were available on DVDs to when they they went to the store, and then because I've got you know like I have a, a server behind me that you know I can't do anything with it because it's it's stuck on on Snow Leopard because the combination of what server software you run with operating systems don't line up. And so we've been seeing this Apple Apple basically making the stuff unavailable to you for, for the last, you know, three, four years, right? And that's sort of, to me, that's the sort of future of digital property is that, you know, it, you know if you, if you don't get around to reading it now, Jonathan, you may not be able to read it in the future. And, and I've seen that already with, you know, in the, t- in the time that I've been working on computers, I have files that I can't open anymore. Uh, yeah,
1: I, that's bizarre. Like that, I mean... I mean, we knew that that was going to eventually be the case. Again, I have Claris Word files, yeah. you know, uh, on disks somewhere that eventually just that, that's an antiquated technology and you're not going to be able to do anything with that. Um, but yeah, the idea of, of obsolescence and it, we saw it to a certain extent with even just mainstream media, right? Like there was a time where you had to go looking really hard to find a record player for a few years there or yeah. a cassette yeah. drive. Um, you know, now those things have sort of f- swung back in a smaller scope, but you can get those things again. Um, you know, we're going to see, obviously, there will be people who preserve that technology. Your basement is a good place to start. Um, yep. <laughs> but, you know, some of this technology, you know, Super 8, VHS like... cassettes, Super 8s, like think about, you know, 8-tracks, some of that stuff, some people are devoted to preserving, you know, 78s, you know, like you, there are still out there, but they're not making a lot of new content for them and they're certainly not making a lot of things to to play that content on and right, that's where yeah. you really lose out you can you could own the biggest cassette collection in the world but if they're not making players you're up the creek um you know you could have the big huge pile of of three and a quarter floppy disks but if you can't find anything to play them on you're up the creek um yeah. you know like it's it's weird to think of all the things that will over time become obsolete i mean even things like you know it's starting to become less likely you're going to be able to get physical media. We're seeing this, that stuff starting to disappear again. Uh, yep. Alan Cross does a great, has a great blog, uh, journal of musical things. He chronicles the demise of the CD, right? You know, P- CD sales are, you know, an infinitesimal fraction of what they were when they were in their heyday. Yeah. And all signs point to their inevitable demise, but then they did that for records and they did that for cassettes and there'll always be people who want to own physical things. And, you Know, but then you know, they'll do what they do with so many of these things. I can a record album used to cost you proportionately eight ten bucks for an album when I was in my teens. Yeah, those albums now, like I, you know, was at a record store just last week, you know, 30, 35 bucks for an album. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The vinyl's great, it's a lot nicer quality, but holy smokes, that's a lot of money to pay for physical media.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, a 4K Blu ray disc. You know, I, I we have upgraded to a 4K TV and the 4K Blu. Blu-ray player, um, you know, and the quality is fantastic. The movies look brilliant. But you know, a 4K movie, like I, I was at a store and looked at, you know, i'm wondering what uh, you know some of the latest films are. You know, Avengers, forty bucks for the 4K Blu-ray disc. Wow, really? You mm-hmm. know, Deadpool, Star Wars, Jurassic World, all these for the you know that's considered the highest quality that you can purchase. And if you want to watch that, yeah, thirty-five to forty dollars a pop. And you know, okay. that's where the market is right now for those things. So, I mean. I mean, you can continue choosing to have physical media, and to be fair, that's how you plan against things like Apple pulling the plug on you because they lose the contract, or Disney decides they want to do something different, or whatever the circumstances are for your, your digital media. But you're going to pay a premium, and you'll face the age-old problem that you described in, in your podcast: where do you put all your stuff? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy.
2: Yeah. Crazy. Well, I, I I do have a computer that'll open your Claris Works documents. Just have to dig it out and turn it. Going. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 at some point I, I want to go through and uh, Sherry and I
1: were, were waxing about our uh, old stuff last week, and I was mentioning uh, zip drives, and I still have yeah. some zip disks and zip drive. Yeah. I have my drive, but the drive won't oh, connect you? to anything because oh. I don't have an adapter that'll make it adapt to SCSI. Yeah, scuzzy Yep. So uh,
2: I got. I can take care of that for you.
1: I, again, I know that it's there. You're just wonderful. <laughs> it's like it's like you know, living at the feet of the guru. I, I you know, I know that it's there. If I need It's this great safety net, but, uh, but, uh, not everyone is lucky to have somebody like you who's oh, look, there's uh, a
2: SCSI cable right over there. <laughs> yeah.
1: I found a 19, uh, I'm going to say late eighties, early nineties, uh, Mac mouse the other day in one of my boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a, a much smaller scale version of your uh, collection of stuff, but, uh, yeah, I, again, there's, there's lots of stuff in there and I'm sure it would be really interesting to go back and look at, you know, some, some of the first stuff I wrote as a journalist, some stuff I wrote, yeah. you know, essays. And, and articles, and I'm sure there's some cool stuff in there. Sherry Knight. Again, we were talking about the the passing of Stan Lee. Yeah. And I said, "Oh yeah, yeah. you know, boy, yeah, I'm really bummed because I was supposed to meet him in person, and he was supposed to come to town. And yeah. unfortunately, he didn't. He couldn't make it. He wasn't feeling well. He was in his 80s at that point. Which there you go. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I talked to him on the phone. I did a nice interview with him, and it's all recorded. I recorded it on a cassette on my old recorder, uh, as I did with my interviews on the phone back then, just so I can make sure my notes are accurate. And uh, so somewhere in a box in my crawlspace, I have a whole box full of cassettes from when I was a reporter with interviews with. i mean a ton of people a ton of very famous you know celebrities uh athletes politicians Uh, i mean i was a reporter for a long time and had some pretty cool gigs all that stuff in there of my voice talking to these interesting people you know i could digitize that i have a a,
2: the capacity to digitize a cassette i just have to go Mm -hmm. in and find it and digitize it well alan cross is doing that with his podcast now he's he's now doing the history of uh, yeah yeah ongoing history music, music. Yeah, yeah The yeah. I, you know, and I think to myself again, for myself, yeah, obviously there's
1: a little bit of curiosity of, you know, although I'm sure I would wince my way through like, oh, what is this idiot, you know, 20 something doing, talking like he knows something when he doesn't know a thing. Um, but at the same time, I also think like, yeah, somewhere down the road, maybe my kids, grandkids, great grandkids would want to hear my voice or look at some of the things that I wrote or, you know, get to know me in that way. And, you know, so then that becomes sort of a little project of, you know, should I digitizing that how do i save that is mm-hmm. you know be
2: able, be able to open it, well, and, so that's it.
1: and if i digitize it as a form what format do i save it as what's the safest thing do i need to update it like there's no such thing as permanent media outside of something you physically own and can play well okay yeah. you know again i've got boxes full of vhs cassettes too yeah <laughs> you know like i don't play with my vcr very often either i got one um, you know I don't have an eight track player I don't have eight tracks but there are people who have those but you know where's the line right
2: yeah so well surprisingly mp3 still around uh, as a format but uh, markdown is the is probably the, the technology that people will tell you to use <laughs> yeah what does that do oh it's just a raw text format where you you format the text you, you do your italic and bolding and headlines and stuff like that just with with characters and and uh, a markdown reader will convert that into pretty looking you know stuff that you would would have which you would would have Used an old word processor for in the past, right? So Mm. there's huge arguments we have on our our other show about about Mark Markdown. I I don't participate. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, that's it. All right. Well, always a pleasure, gentlemen. Yeah, likewise. See you you next time. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. -bye. Bye.